0: Well, last week we started this brand new series, Then What? And we saw from the Bible last Sunday that death is the guaranteed part of life. It probably was not the most encouraging message I've ever preached at Mount Airy, but it could be one of the most important ones because we all need to understand death is the guaranteed part of life. Eventually we all cross a step across that line between now and forever. The day comes for all of us we step across that line, and we said last Sunday that God wants you to think about death, not to be morbid, but so that you can live your life differently, and live your life better. I was thinking this week after the message, because the message was was about the the guaranteed part of life is death, and I was thinking about uh, a country song. I, I I'm not a country fan, country music fan by any stretch of imagination, but. Tim McGraw has a song years ago that was really famous called Live Like You Were Dying. Anybody know that song? All right, good, 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 good. Uh, It's got a real poignant message. I listened to it again a couple of times this week. Live Like You Were Dying. It's got a pretty good message to it. And and he recommends in the song. And I thought, well, I'll go skydiving and I'll go Rocky Mountain climbing, but I'm not riding on a bull named Fu Manchu. I mean, I might grill him, but I'm not going to ride on him, okay? But the truth of the matter is, most of us don't live like we're dying. The truth of the matter is, we live like we're going to live forever. But every once in a while, when a friend or a loved one dies, every once in a while, when we have to go to a funeral, every once in a while, a question surfaces, doesn't it? A question as old as civilization itself. In fact, in one of the oldest books of the Bible, the book of Job, that question surfaces. And the question is this, if a man dies, will he live again? Isn't it intriguing that thousands of years ago people were already asking that question? Thousands of years ago people were already wondering, is there life after life? I told you last week about my dad's heart surgery where he told us, now listen, I think everything's going to be all right. But if it's not, it's still going to be all right. I want to finish the story now. And I honestly can't remember if it was that heart surgery or another heart surgery that he had. But in one of his heart surgeries, dad basically died on the table. His heart stopped beating. And uh, thankfully, of course, they were able to revive him eventually and after the surgery, because of his condition, we were only allowed to go in to see him just one at a time. He was awake; he was alert, but we could only go see him briefly, one at a time. And when I went into his room after his surgery, he said, "I need to tell you something." I said, "Okay." He said, "I died on the table." So, well, that's what the doctor said. And I said, "Did you see a bright light?" He said, "No." I said, "Dad, that's not a good sign." <laughs> We shorters have a tendency to sometimes joke at the wrong times. And and he said, well, let me tell you what I did see. He got a little bit emotional as he was describing. He said, I was floating above the table around the surgical lights, looking down on my body. And I was watching the doctors and nurses working on me. And I heard the doctors say, we've lost him. And he said, and I watched them as they feverishly worked on me. And eventually, of course, He came back. Since that day and many times after, I've often wondered what happens after we die. I mean, really, what happens after we die? I didn't say this in the first service, but I will confess to you that uh, after my mom died and after my brother died and I was there with him when that happened, I, I did look up. I looked at the ceiling just wondering, you know, what happens after they die? It might surprise you to find out that the Bible really doesn't give us a comprehensive answer to that question, what happens after we die. Now, I'm not saying the Bible doesn't have an answer. Certainly, the Bible does have an answer. But what I'm simply saying is that you have to kind of look at several scriptures throughout the Bible to truly understand, to truly give a comprehensive answer to what happens after we die. You have to look at a lot of different scriptures to fully understand what happens after death? So, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to take the Bible and see what the Bible shows us about life after life. Here's the first thing that the Bible will show us. When your body dies, you don't. I really want you to understand, understand that one today. When your body dies, you don't. That is, after your brain stops working, after your heart stops beating, after the doctors declare you dead you will still keep on living. Your body will one day die, but you won't. Now, I want to show you this in Scripture. I want you to go towards the end of the New Testament. I want you to find the book of Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 15. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Here's what Peter wrote. So I will... So I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Pause there for a moment. The Apostle Peter writing these words said, listen, I'm going to remind you of something you already know. But I think it's important to remind you of what you already know. So Peter says, so let me remind you of something that that you're already grounded in. Then he says in verse 13, I think it is right to refresh your memory. As long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Now, I want you to notice three things quickly from that scripture. First of all, it's interesting that the Bible describes the body that we live in, in verse 13, as a tent, Look up here on the screen. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Clearly, Peter's drawing a line between the real him, the the real person, and the body or the tent in which he is living. I'm looking right now at a bunch of tents. All different colors and shapes and sizes. I'm looking at a lot of tents out there today. And Peter reminds us in this text that a tent is simply a temporary dwelling place. Just this week, Lisa and I were at REI's store in Greenville just the other night. And while we were walking around the store, I noticed that there was actually an employee and a customer. And the employee was actually putting up a tent inside the store for the customer, helping him understand how to put it up and how easy it is to assemble and disassemble right there in the store. And I will say to you, it was a nice-looking tent. And I looked at the tent. I thought, well, that's a good-looking tent. And I felt of the material as I was walking by. I thought, I wouldn't mind having a tent like that. That's a nice tent. But there was nothing permanent about it. You understand, I understand, that tent in the store is simply a temporary dwelling place. And Paul says, that's what your body is. Your body is a tent, and you live in this tent. The real you lives in this tent. It's important that you understand that your body is not you. It's just the temporary tent that you live in. Then he goes on in verse 14 to say that one day we'll put aside this tent. Look how he says it. Because I know that I will soon put it aside, this tent that I'm living in. I will soon, he knew his death was imminent, I will soon put it aside. As our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. One day we won't need the tent anymore. One day we're going to move out of it. One day we'll take this tent and we'll put it aside. In a very real sense, I want you to listen carefully now to what I'm about to tell you. In a very real sense, people don't get sick. Their bodies do. In a very real sense, people don't grow old, their bodies grow old. People don't die, their bodies die. That's why Paul wrote, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. One day, you're not going to need this tent anymore. And then the third thing I want you to notice is in verse 15, Peter refers to this time when we don't need this tent anymore. Peter refers to it as time of departure. and Verse 15, and I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. It's interesting the wording that he uses here. After my departure. One translation says, I want you to remember these things long after I'm gone. Of course, Peter wasn't referring to his body being gone. He wasn't referring to his body departing. Because history tells us that his body was actually nailed to a cross. That's how he died. He didn't depart. His body didn't. It was nailed to a cross. Yet his spirit that lived inside that tent. His spirit that lived inside that body. That's what departed. You see we know what happens to a body after we die. Right? Because we see it all the time. We go to a lot of funerals. We've, we see that the body is placed into the ground. Or the body is... Cremated, but the question is what happens to the spirit? What happens to the soul that we can 't see? We see what happens to the body it 's placed into a ground, but into the ground, but what happens to the soul? What happens to the spirit? That brings us to the second point that I want you to see today. You will live forever in eternity. you will live forever in eternity one day. One day you will stop breathing, but you won't stop living. Please write that down. One day you will stop breathing, but you won't stop living. You will live forever in eternity. Carrie Shook put it this way in a book that he wrote. He said, one moment after you die, you'll experience either the greatest celebration ever or the greatest separation ever. That's a powerful statement. Here's another way to think about it. When you die, you'll either go into the presence of God or you will go out of the presence of God. But make no mistake about it. You will go and spend eternity somewhere. One day, this tent is going to be done. You're going to be done with this tent and your spirit is going to leave this tent and you will live forever, in eternity. Everybody spends eternity somewhere. Everybody does. Now, let me show you how Paul described this. Go over to the left to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's just look at one verse, then we'll look at a few other verses. Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Here's what Paul says. Now, we know that if the earthly tent we live in isn't that interesting? It uses the same wording that Peter does. We know that if, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. I want you to notice the comparison here. Paul, on one side, talks about this earthly tent that we live in, and on the other side, he talks about this permanent dwelling place that we will be heading to if we know Christ the Savior. And I want you to notice how he stacks these phrases on top of one another. Look at it again. And we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have, here's the three statements, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Notice how he stacks those phrases one on top of another. This earthly tent we live in is one day going to be destroyed because when your body dies, you don't. So as a believer, as a Christian, what happens to you? Paul says, when that earthly tent is destroyed, it's not the end of the story, praise God. When that earthly tent is emptied, it's not the end of the story. And in fact, Paul gets to the crux of the matter and tells us what happens when we are followers of Jesus at the very instant that we die. Now listen, some of you have had loved ones who have died. You've been by their bedside. You've had... Uh, parents or you've had children or you've had grandparents and, and you've watched them die as a believer as a Christian and I want to tell you what happens the very instant that they die it's found right here in the scripture skip down to verses six through eight therefore we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the bodies talk about the real you not your body but the you that lives in that body Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. That's describing your life and mine right now. We are at home in the body. We're living in this tent, and therefore, we are away from the Lord as far as his heavenly dwelling. Then he says, we live by faith, not by sight, because we are at home in the body. We're away from the Lord. But then look what he says in verse 8. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul is clearly talking about his spirit leaving the tent and being away from the body, but at home with the Lord. You see, when you die as a Christian, your spirit leaves your body and you are at home with the Lord. And some of you have had to say goodbye to people that you love dearly. Can I tell you what happened the very instant? If they knew Christ as Savior, the very instant they took their last breath, they went to be home with the Lord. They did not leave home. They went home. They went to be home with the Lord. And we see this all through Scripture if we're we're really looking for it. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus died on the cross? His body died or was nailed to the cross. That tent he was living in, that body was nailed to the cross. And yet Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, because he knew he was about to go home to be with the Lord. Or Jesus, again, while he was on the cross, there was another man beside him. We call him the thief on the cross. And his body also was nailed to that cross. That body wasn't leaving. It wasn't going anywhere. And yet Jesus said to that man, today you'll be with me in paradise. You will go home to be with the Lord. Or Stephen. Stephen, the first martyr in the New Testament, he was stoned to death. And as he was about to die, as that body was about to give out... Stephen cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, because he knew he was about to go home to be with the Lord. I want to make sure there's no confusion here today. I want to speak very clearly about this issue. There is no such thing in the Word of God as soul sleep. There is no such thing as temporary unconsciousness in the Word of God. And there is no purgatory in the Word of God. If you're a personal follower of Jesus Christ, when your body dies, you don't. You go at that instant to be at home with the Lord. Which brings up an important, intriguing, and sometimes disturbing question. What about those who don't know the Lord? What about when their body dies, when their tent is taken down, when their spirit leaves their tent, what happens? Remember what we've said so far, when your body dies, you don't. And number two, we said, you will live forever in eternity. So what about those who don't know Christ as Savior? Well, let me say it to you this way. Where we live eternally, where we live eternally depends on who is paying for our sins. If we have received the gift of forgiveness that Jesus purchased for us on the cross, we will spend forever in His presence in heaven. But, if we have not received the gift of forgiveness that Jesus has purchased on the cross, we must pay for our sins ourselves, and we will spend eternity separated from God in hell. What happens to us after we die then really depends on how you respond to Jesus Before you die. Now I want to make sure you heard that. Because for some of you this is a day of decision. And I want to make sure you hear this. What happens to us after we die. Depends entirely on how we respond to Jesus before we die. Because beyond the grave there are no second chances. Beyond the grave there is not an opportunity to get it right. Right? I want you to think about this. If your body dies, but your spirit is going to live forever. I want you to think about this question. If your body dies, but your spirit is going to live forever, which one of those is more important? Maybe I can illustrate it for you this way. Let's say that you go on vacation, and you check into a hotel room, and you plan to stay there for a week. And you go into the hotel room, and you know, once you get there, you're kind of disappointed in the way the room looks, and you just don't, you think, I could do better than this. And so you hire a, an interior decorator to come in and spruce things up a bit. And you start looking at the carpet, it's like, this carpet is stained. And so you you bring somebody in to put down a new carpet, and then you notice the TV, it doesn't play very well, and it's small. And so you get a 70-inch high-def, uh, flat screen tv and you hang that on the wall and, and and the bed is the bed is a queen size but you like a king size so you order rooms to go and they bring you a king size bed and they set it all up and and you're set and you're enjoying your room until you check out and that's exactly what people are doing today It's amazing to me that people spend such great time and effort trying to improve their body, trying to improve their room, trying to improve their situation, when compared to eternity, you're only going to be here just a short time, and then you're going to check out. You act as if you're going to be here forever. You live in this world like you're going to be here forever. When in reality, it's just a very brief time. And so you concentrate on things that really don't matter. Bigger stuff, newer stuff, better stuff. And not even thinking about it. you're checking out in a day or two. That's a picture of eternity. And Jesus said it this way, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? or to use the illustration, what does it profit a man if he fixes up his room really nice, but he's checking out in a day or two and never be back to it? What does it profit a man to give so much time and attention and energy to his body and never give any thought to eternity? Isn't that a foolish way to live? To only think about right now And never think about eternity. Can I remind you that when your body dies, you don't. And you will spend eternity somewhere. Which brings us to the third point. You get to choose now what eternity will be like then. I love this part of the text that we're going to look at. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Heaven heaven and hell are real places. And we get to choose where we will spend eternity. The next couple of Sundays, we're going to look at the topics of heaven and hell. Because heaven and hell are real places. But thankfully, we can choose now what eternity will be like then. Let me show you this in Scripture. Again, go over to the left some more. And let's come to the book of Matthew. The words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus, again, these are the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. The parable of the two gates pictures all of us walking on one of two roads. Every person here, you're walking on one of two roads. One leads to destruction and the other leads to life. And there are only two groups. And there are are no other choices. There are no exceptions. That's why Jesus uses this word in verse 13, "Enter." Enter through the narrow gate. That word, the tense of the word in the Greek language demands a definite, specific decision. It is a call to action. You need to decide, Jesus is saying, which gate you're going to go through. You need to decide, Jesus was saying, what road you're going to walk on. Please notice that there is nothing compelling people to choose the broad road that leads to destruction. They are not being forced down that road. Please notice that it is not destiny that pushes people down that road towards destruction. Jesus said, it's your choice. Sometimes people said, I don't believe a good God, a loving God would send people to hell. And you're exactly right. He's not sending them there. He's saying, it's your choice. You choose. But choose today. That word enter means making a definite, deliberate, specific decision. It is a call to action. And each person chooses for themselves the gate they will enter. And they choose the road they will walk. And therefore they choose their eternal destiny. They choose. See, there's only two choices before you today. Just two and only two. Jesus talked about two gates, the narrow And the wide one. He talked about two ways. The narrow way and the broad way. He talked about two destinations. One is life. The other is destruction. And he talked about two groups. The few and the many. Reminds me of what Jesus said. At another time in Matthew 7. When he said many will say to me in that day. In that final day. Lord didn't I do this? And didn't I go here? Didn't I say this? And didn't I do this? And he says and I will say to them. I never knew you that word many, he uses that word again, many will say to me lord didn 't we didn't we didn't I and he'll say but but I never knew you see jesus 's command is not simply to enter some gate but to enter the narrow gate, and every person enters one gate or the other, and that is unavoidable. You do not get to choose uh, You do not get to choose not going down one of these roads. You do not get to choose, well, I'm not going to choose a gate today. No, you're choosing today and you're choosing every day which gate you're entering, which road you're walking on. And both roads have a destination. So Jesus is pleading with you today to enter the right gate. Because there is only one gate that leads to life. There is only one gate that leads to heaven. And his name is Jesus. The gate is Jesus. So look at the text again. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Shane Pruitt, a a preacher that, that I follow on Twitter, said recently, he said, unfortunately, not everyone who dies goes to, quote, a better place. Only those who know Jesus do. And it's so true. Not everybody who dies goes to a better place. It's only those who have chosen to enter the gate that leads to life. I, I want to close with the scripture from Jesus himself. It's interesting what Jesus said in John chapter 11. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. Let's just stay there for a moment. He who believes in me will live even though his body dies. He who believes in me will live even though the tent gets taken down. You see, when your body dies, you don't. And you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And Jesus allows you to choose where that somewhere is. Look at the rest of the verse. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He's not talking about physically there, but spiritually. Your, your spirit, the real you, the you that lives in your body. If you believe in Jesus, you will never die. You will spend eternity with him in heaven. And then he asked this this question, the most important question I could ever ask you. Do you believe this? That's the question, isn't it? Do you believe this? Can I be blunt? How you answer that question determines where you spend eternity. How you answer that question determines where you spend eternity. Because basically you're standing right now saying... Okay, I've got this gate and I've got that one. This gate leads through the narrow way, the road that leads to everlasting life. This gate is much broader. It leads to the broad road that leads to destruction. And I'm standing here and Jesus said, just decide. Just decide. You get to choose where you're going to spend eternity. But you have to choose now. Because after your last breath, there are no choices. I want you to pray with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. When your body dies, you don't. You will live forever in eternity. And you get to choose. Where that is. I want to ask you here, those watching here online, to make that decision today to choose. To make the choice that you're trusting Christ. Because as I said earlier, it really comes down to who's going to pay for your sins. Will you put your faith in Christ that He paid for your sins on the cross? Or will you pay for your sins? as you're eternally separated from God in hell. I want to ask you here in the building to make that same decision. Who's going to pay for your sins? Which road are you going to walk down? You get to decide. Jesus said it's your choice. Father, I pray that today somebody would choose Jesus. Pray that today somebody would understand that this life is very, very brief, but eternity never ends. And I pray that today, some man, some woman, some teenager, some boy or girl, would decide that they want to trust Christ and put their faith in Him and what He did for them on the cross. And I ask that in Christ's name, Amen. We want to stand and sing this song, and we want to sing.